0: Sorry about no podcast yesterday. I got it about halfway done. And then, because I am a brilliant, genius, and professional podcaster, um, came downstairs and deleted it, because that's what you do when you're super intelligent. Just walked downstairs, had to upload other podcasts, and I'm like, oh, I need this, and I just, uh, you know. Oh, and look, I don't think I have any internet, so we're back to that issue. Hey, yay, yay. Um... Anyways, fortunately, I, I, first of all, did this before. Um, I do need internet pretty quickly, but I have a little bit of this I transferred over to my Excel sheet, so we've got some, some stuff to work with here for now. But anyways, let's see what it is we can do here. Um, what I wanted to do today is expand on what we talked about two days ago now. Um, and it's a little bit annoying because I, I really want to have an answer. And for every little tidbit, there's going to be like, oh, so this is the answer. And it's like, well, not necessarily because this and not necessarily because that. But it's all really good information. Oh, I got internet back. We're good. We're back. We're live. I knew I would. I knew I just knew my week wouldn't start that way. You can't do that to me, man. That's not right. I already missed a day. Don't be messing with me, man. But the point is I got more information on the question of, is Aaron Rodgers just generally bad at throwing the football deep, right? And that's the way I want to phrase it is more information. Not so much, I found the answer. So I thought of a couple different ways to attack this, and I think I'm going to do it differently than I did a couple days ago. One of the benefits of starting over is I didn't like the way it went last time. Maybe I'll hate this even more. I don't know. Let's find out. But I had mentioned when I was looking at quarterbacks that I can't deselect wide receivers while I'm looking at quarterbacks. So I don't know for sure how much of this is an MVS problem. If you don't know what I'm talking about, by the way, you're going to have to go back and listen to Saturday's episode. Pretty intuitive. It's, is Aaron Rodgers bad at deep passing or whatever? You got to listen to it um, and then come home back. But what I did find out is that if you look over at receivers, one of the categories in the receiver stats is uh how many of the times when the ball was thrown at you was it catchable don't have on target or any of that but that's fine we're perfectly content with how many of the passes were catchable because there's a pretty strong correlation between catchable and on target it's just there's going to be a higher percentage for catchable but the biggest reason i want to know that is because i want to know is it an aaron Rodgers problem or is an is it an aaron Rodgers two mvs problem so we've already established that um under 30 yards, Aaron Rodgers, between, you know, negative 20 and 30 yards, Aaron Rodgers is one of the best throwers of the football. In terms of accuracy, the dude is just unstoppable. It's when you get to 30 yards and beyond that things become a problem. And I'm not going to go through all those stats all over again. Again, if you're interested in that, you can find that. But I want to, I want to look at this. How many, there are seven different players that were targeted 30 yards, and further down the field. Remember, this is not 30-yard receptions. That's a different thing because a 4-yard pass, that guy can go and take it and run for 40 yards, and it would be in this category. We're talking specifically air yards, meaning the ball traveled 30 yards through the air. We're not talking about a Tom Brady 30-yard pass where he throws it 5 yards to Gronk and Gronk rumbles. We'll start at the bottom with the least amount of targets. Aaron Jones, one target, 100% catchable. One target, one catchable. Robert Tunyon, one target, one catchable. This is for 2021, by the way. Randall Cobb, two targets, one catchable. Equinemia St. Brown, two targets, two catchable. Alan Lazard, three targets, three catchable. Devontae Adams, six targets, three catchable. So 50% is the worst we've seen so far, and that was with Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams. Marquez Valdez Scantling, and by the way, um, 111233. Three. Those are the numbers for catchable. 15 targets. Three of them were catchable. He had as many catchable balls as Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard had three targets, Devontae six targets, MVS 15 targets. This is for passes 30 and beyond. At 40 yards, Randall Cobb, one target was not catchable. Equinemius, two targets, both of them catchable. Devontae Adams, three targets, two of them catchable. MVS, five targets, one of them catchable. So very consistent with 20%. And then 50 yards and beyond, Randall Cobb and MVS were the only two that had targets and neither of those balls were catchable. So expanding on, elaborating on what we talked about a couple days ago, this is clearly an MVS issue, at least insofar as 2021, because if we do what I said we were going to do or what I wanted to do, but thought we couldn't, if we remove MVS from this equation, and it's always a little bit iffy when you do this because, you know, you're not, maybe you could do this to other quarterbacks as well, but let's just do this anyways. 30-yard passes and beyond, not including um, Marquez Valdez-Scanling. What are the stats? 15 passes and 11 of them were catchable. That's 73.3%. You know where that would have him? That would make him the fourth best passer of the football, 30 yards and beyond. Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Tua, Joe Burrow, and then Aaron Rodgers. So again, I can't give you the why. I don't know why. But if we're more specific about the question about what happened yesterday, I think we can shift away from the theory that this is a specifically Aaron Rodgers issue and move toward more of a, this was a Aaron Rodgers to MVS in 2021 issue. Is it possible that it has something to do with an Aaron Rodgers decline? Sure. Is it possible that it could be that You know, it's not just MVS. Maybe it's that style of player. Maybe it's the speed, and therefore, you know, it could easily translate to Christian Watson or whatever. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But one of the other things that I added in there that I think is important is to say that this is a Aaron Rodgers to MVS in 2021 issue because this hasn't always been an MVS issue, which adds to further complication. If we go back to 2020 on 30-yard passes or deeper, 15 targets, and nine of them were catchable. That's 60%. That's real solid. And the fact that he had nine catchable passes beyond 30 yards, which is more than pretty much anybody ever has targets on this team for the most part, is pretty incredible. And I'm of the opinion, having looked at this, that 2020, the 2020 version of MVS or Aaron Rodgers to MVS, whatever, his his input in the 2020 season is the reason the Packers were so obsessed with MVS. Not even necessarily anything elite, just the fact that, and we're going to dig into this a little bit more, there's really never been an MVS-type player on this team, at least going back to 2015. But if we look at 40 yards or deeper, and again, the numbers here are crazy, 10 targets and 7 of them were catchable. First of all, the fact that 70% of these were catchable is remarkable. But on top of that, the fact that he had 10 targets beyond 40 yards, you know what the second highest is? It's a tie between Alan Lazard and Devontae Adams at 2 targets in 2020. Two. Two. MVS had 10. And again, it's one thing to run really fast down the field and get these targets but have no results. But the fact that um, seven of these 10 were catchable balls meant that there was a real solid connection here. Now, unfortunately, the other issue with MVS is he had a drop problem. So of the 10, seven of them were catchable. Three of those were dropped. So it resulted in four receptions. But still, as bad as that is, His four receptions doubled the amount of even routes that the other guys ran that deep. But that accounted for 222 yards and three touchdowns. So again, more touchdowns than Lazard had even targets. And then on passes 50 yards or deeper, again, remarkable because a lot of people, most of the time people don't even get this. We looked at 2021, Rodgers only threw two passes 50 yards or deeper. Uh, Nobody had more than one target. MVS in 2020 had four. 50% of those were catchable, which is a pretty good number at 50 yards out. And of course, MVS had to drop one of them, but it still accounted for a 52-yard touchdown. He was the only one that was targeted 50 yards or deeper, and it was four times. In fact, if we look from 2015 to 2021, which is as far back as I can go with SIS, nobody has had four targets. Nobody has had more than two. Devontae Adams in 2016 had two targets. Jordy Nelson in 2016 had two targets. That's it. Everybody else has only ever had one. He's one of only three players to get a touchdown at that depth. Robert Tunyon and Richard Rogers are the other two. If you dump it out to 40 yards, and again, remember, Jordy Nelson was one of those dudes, right? We we know that for a fact. We also got James Jones, um, some other guys that have been known to run deep routes and whatnot. If you look at 40 yards out or deeper, Anybody not named MVS, the most that you have is Jordy Nelson on here twice. In 2017 and 2016, he had six targets. 2017, six targets. Two of them were catchable. He caught one of them for 58 yards. In 2016, Jordy Nelson, six targets, uh, three of them catchable, caught one of them, dropped one of them, 60 yards. No touchdowns on either of them. Then you get the top two. Remember, six targets is the most we've had so far. 2019 MVS eight targets, five catchable. He caught four of them. Remember, Jordy caught one each year. He caught four of them for 192 yards and a touchdown. And then in 2020, 10 targets, again, compared to six, 10 targets, seven of them catchable, four receptions, 222 yards. I already looked at that, but three touchdowns. He had more touchdowns than anybody has ever had receptions at 40 yards out. Again, I don't know about 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, probably a lot of Big numbers in those years. But again, I'm, I'm reiterating the fact that we have not had an MVS. And I'm, I'm starting to kind of understand the need for a guy like this. Now, I still think we can do better. And I'm excited the fact that Christian Watson has that ability, at least presumably. He certainly has the speed. But even as much as I love Jordy Nelson, the numbers are clearly stating, at least since 2015, there has not been a guy like MVS on this team. Now, that's not even necessarily speaking to how good of a football player he is. Again, tons of drops, a big issue between Rodgers and, and MVS as far as ability to catch. And, and listen, I can feel there's like five people out there that are saying, well, yeah, when, when you're a deep threat, you're going to have less thrown to you. No, because we're accounting for that. Remember, he had like 73% catchable rate for everybody not named MVS at these same depths. So it's not, well, yeah, it's it's less catchable passes to MVS because he runs deeper. No, we're accounting for that already. And then if you look at 30 yards out, um, 2016, Jordy Nelson, 13 targets. And then the, the, the most ever to anybody, there's a three-way tie. James Jones in 2015, and then MVS in 2020 and 2021. Um, 2021 MVS is the lowest rate as far as catchable. James Jones, however, in 2015 five catchable out of 15, and then twenty twenty nine catchable out of 15. And that kind of brings us to another issue here, because what you kind of notice is that Aaron Rodgers kind of fluctuates with different receivers. So what you'll find is really good years with MVS, really bad years with MVS, sort of his deep threat, All right? So you'll have, um, you know, MVS is on the Far end of this spectrum. If you're looking at a minimum of seven targets, so you're you're again somewhat of a deep threat here, not just a guy who gets one or two passes. MVS is the worst and the best, the lowest on this list. 2021 MVS and 2017 Jordy with three catchable targets. The top of the list though, nine catchable targets. MVS and they're, the years are right next to each other. You got 2016 Jordy Nelson with six targets, four of them catchable, but you also got 2017 Jordy with nine targets. And three of them catchable. I'm sorry, that was 13 targets, six of them catchable for Jordy Nelson. Keep looking at the wrong two columns. You got Devonte Adams, um, 10 to in 2020, 10 targets, seven of them catchable. Then you've also got 2016 Devontae Adams, 10 targets, four of them catchable. I will say one theory you could possibly throw out here is that it does seem to be the wide receiver, and and the one thing you could do to back that up, although I have nothing as far as MVS because. I, you know, it's just they're, the two years are just next to each other. I have no reason to believe MVS just fell off a cliff. However, if you look at the other two examples, what is the difference between 2016 and 2017 Jordy? Well, first of all, 2017 is the year that Rodgers played a half a year. But also, it's kind of around the time that Jordy kind of just started to slip off. And then Devontae, um, the better year was later, right? His, the best or the highest was 2020, And then you look at his worst, it was 2016. But anyways, we kind of touched on this before, but I want to go back and look at one final thing here, and that is Aaron Rodgers in previous years, um, and then compare it to this year's class. Because again, we've looked at the fact that if you remove MVS, Aaron Rodgers hasn't had a problem. We've looked at in previous years, depending on the wide receiver, there's been good and bad. But what about just Aaron Rodgers over the years? Has it always been kind of whatever? Well, let's see. As far as his least ever on target beyond 30 yards, that would be 2021. So compared to 2015, 2016, 2017 is not on this list because it doesn't quite make the cut. 2015, 16, 18, 19, 20, and 21, 2021 is the worst. Now, interestingly enough, it's also his least amount of attempts beyond 30 yards at 27. But if we even look at the um, second most on target passes, 2015, which we know was a bad year for Aaron Rodgers, no question. That was the first year... I've ever looked at Aaron Rodgers and thought, something's not right. Something is just very off. Aaron Rodgers that year was at 53.6%. That would have put him in eighth place compared to this year's class at 30 yards out. For reference, he's 17th in 2021. So if you just look at 2015, which is known to be a bad year, he's all the way in eighth. I don't want to go through every single year, but let's fast forward to 2020. Not just because it was a very good year, but because it was just the year before. And the real question is, is there some kind of an issue overall or at the very least in a gradual sense, which kind of seems like a stupid question because he's a back-to-back MVP. But I suppose it's possible to put on a good show, but see a decline in your deep ball passing or whatever. I don't know. But let's take a look at 2020 because it would seem unlikely that you have a great year in 2020 if it's been a gradual issue over time. In 2020, 35 attempts beyond 30 yards, 23 of them were on target. It accounted for 634 yards. Uh, and five touchdowns. He was at 65.7%. That would put him in third place behind Tua and Joe Burrow. So just two years ago, we're talking third best, and that's compared to 2021, whatever, it doesn't matter. At 40 yards out, 15 attempts, 13 of them were catchable. 86.6%. That would make him number one over Joe Burrow at 84.6%. By the way, if you just look at this, Third place this past year, um, 66%, then 75 then 84 The gaps are staggering, right? Just the 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 gap between uh, three and four and four, or three, I'm going backwards, three and two and two and one, and the fact that Aaron Rodgers is a notch above where Joe Burrow was this past year. And then even at 50 yards out, four attempts, three of them were catchable. It's a very easy math, 75%, um, and it's, you know, it's one of those weird things where there's a bunch of people at 100%, but of people with four attempts or more, nobody had more than 75%, so he'd be tied for number one, and only two people had that, and that's Carson Wentz and Zach Wilson. So, again, I I don't have a solid answer other than to give you a lot of information, but we did rule out a couple things, I think. It's hard to call it specifically an MVS issue because they were in sync in 2020. It's hard to call it an Aaron Rodgers issue because he was... One of the best deep ball throwers, I mean, just that exists just in 2020. So there was a big issue in 2021 specifically with throwing the deep ball again, specifically from Aaron Rodgers to MVS in 2021. That's all we know. And I don't have an answer as to why. I know that there's been issues in the past with other receivers, with James Jones, with Jordy Nelson from from year to year, depending on this, that, or the other thing. It's just uh, some sort of a, a sink thing. And the the real big problem here is in 2021, it seemed like they tried to replicate 2020. And that is to say, lots of deep ball targets, and it just was not clicking. For whatever reason, it was just not happening. But the Packers wanted it. They wanted it real bad. They needed it, and it just was not working. But the point is, what what we really want to know is, in 2022, is this going to be a problem? And I don't know the answer to that question. I tend to think the answer, if I had to pick, would be yes. Because if you look at when Aaron Rodgers is really in sync with something or, or someone, especially on a deep ball, it's because they're, well, in sync. Guys that he's worked with for a while. Again, Devontae, his, his really low year was when Devontae was young and inexperienced and didn't have a lot of rapport with Aaron Rodgers. MVS in 2020 was what, year three for him? Jordy Nelson, obviously, by the time 2015 even rolled around, they'd been working together for a long time. I'm sure if you look at Jordy Nelson's numbers prior to 2015, there's some really, really great numbers you know, in his year three or four or whatever. But there's no, there's nothing here that says there's something fundamentally broken. Aaron Rodgers is broken. The deep ball is broken. In fact, even Aaron Rodgers in 2021 was not broken with any other receiver. By the way, another thing that I noticed while I was playing around with this, Alan Lazard and Robert Tunyon, and we kind of know this already. I know they're not necessarily deep ball guys, but in terms of how many of the passes to these guys end up being on target, there is a heck of a rapport there. I don't know if it's just because they run slower, so it's easier to hit them in stride. I don't know what it is. But Rogers has just got these guys pegged. So, I mean, it's one of those things where I, I have no interest in, um, you know, being able to ask people at the podium questions because I'm just, that's not my it's not my thing, man. I don't know. I have no idea what to ask people. But this is one of the few times where I'd be like, I wish I could get in there. So I could just ask this one. Like, what I, I don't know if you have an answer, but wh- why does something like this happen? You know, if any of the guys that have locker room access or podium access are listening, and I, I know you wouldn't want to admit that, but if you are, just, just think about asking the question. Because I, I, I have no idea what to think about how that's going to go. It's either going to be one of the best things ever, like 2020 Aaron Rodgers on deep balls, which is like this, you, you do not get any better than that. Just doesn't exist. And then you get to 2021, and I'm not going to say it's, you know, it's I mean, really bad Aaron Rodgers is like middle of the field. Like 17th is like, (laughs) I'm sitting here acting like it's, he's the worst quarterback in the world. He's, he's, he's right in the middle, but still it's either a problem or it's the furthest thing from a problem that exists. And I wish, I just wish I had an answer as to what that difference is, but I don't know. But anyways, there's your information. And again, if nothing else, I hope that we took from this, that Aaron Rodgers is not in fact broken. And there's every reason to be optimistic about this kind of thing. And if you have any theories as to what else I could look at, I I mean, there's a billion different filters. I don't think we're going to find anything else. I don't think there's anything else to filter out that we can, um, again, I've already looked at clean pocket, no pressure, feet planted. We've already done all that. The only other thing here is coverage schemes. Just saying, I don't know. But uh, I'm going to take a break, right, Shia? This is about as far as I got yesterday and then, you know, deleted it for fun because I'm a fun guy. Remember, if you're able, I've got uh, Drew's GoFundMe sitting at the uh, pinned to the top of my Twitter. If we could help him to get his seizure service dog, that would be great. Also, um, we did something last year, and I was just listening to the podcast. It sounds like they're starting it up again. So I think I want to participate in it again, and that is to help um, Malcolm Reed with his charity, and that is at the Palmer Home. You probably, if you've been listening for a while, remember me constantly plugging that one. Um, after having seen how it went last year, I have no expectation of winning that because that was absolute pandemonium and people went psycho, but it's still a really good charity to help out some kids in need. So we'll probably do that again. I got to work on getting that set up, but got to keep the pipeline full of people to help out. You know what I mean? Do some good around here for crying out loud. I think we've done some good too. Not going to lie. But right now we're just trying to help Drew. We've been, um, trying to get him this dog for quite a while. We've raised nearly $5,000. In fact, we're $20 away. So if anybody's got 20 bucks, in fact, if we don't see it soon, I might just drop 20 bucks. So we can get to 5,000. That's a big, big milestone to, to cross. But the goal is $7,440. So we're we're really getting there. And uh, if you're looking to get some meat, amodernfrontier.com. Use promo code MEATPACKER. That's one word, all caps. And you can get a big old box of meat delivered to your doorstep. And if you use the promo code, you get $25 off your order. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So US Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. A um, couple things here before we continue on. First of all, um, condolences to all the basketball Bucks fans out there. Um, it's not my thing, but I figure some of you guys are, if you're as big a Bucks fans as you are Packer fans or anywhere near, that's got to be pretty brutal. I personally don't care, but I just kind of put it in that uh, frame of mind. And it's like you guys had to witness uh, two playoff losses in the mat in the span of a couple months. Several months, whatever, but it's still, it's, it sucks, it's, you know, and if you're also a baseball fan, you're just a glutton for punishment. I just got my one thing, man, it's all I care about, but uh, yeah, condolences to y'all. Also, this is a couple days old now, but um, looking at Warren Sharp did a little study of the uh, NFL schedule after it got released, and he did a study of rest edges, that is to say, who has the edge of, like, the most or least rest? Green Bay Packers are dead last. And you think, well, that kind of makes sense because they're one of the better teams, so they should be, you know, getting a tougher schedule. And I think that's fair until you realize that Buffalo is number one on this list in terms of most rest, not just for themselves, but, you know, disadvantages for their opponents. That's a little messed up. Uh, Net rest edge, they've got plus and minus metrics, but Buffalo is plus 12. You've also got Chicago at plus seven. Minnesota's right in the middle at zero. Detroit is plus 11, so they're the second highest. Green Bay, negative 12. Pretty much the entire NFC seems to be in the positive here. The, the other teams that we're with as far as negatives, uh, the Patriots, the Texans, the Jets, the Raiders, the Titans, the Colts, the Steelers, the Jaguars, the Ravens, the Chargers. I mean, there's a couple NFC teams mixed in, but it's it's weird. There's like a really heavy AFC... <laughs> Anti AFC bias, and we just get mixed in and have the absolute worst schedule. And the thing is, it's it's different than strength of schedule because strength of schedule is stupid because we don't know who's good and who's bad. We might have a general idea, but this rest thing, this isn't debatable. This isn't best de- de- based on how good a team is. This is based on information that we know with one hundred percent certainty. So the Packers do have this big of a disadvantage. Period. And so that definitely sucks. But you know, at the end of the day, when it comes to all this stuff. Unless we think this is going to knock us out of the playoffs, it's not that big of a deal. Um, I, I really want to see a successful Green Bay Packers team. I want to see a good season with a bunch of wins and a lot of really great plays and all that good stuff. But really, when it comes down to it, we need a battle-tested team that gets into the playoffs and is ready to compete for a Super Bowl. That's really what we need. I, I Again, I want to see as many wins as possible. And I want to feel confident, and usually playing better during the regular season builds more confidence. But as many people have pointed out, maybe it's not the best thing in the world that we are in a really weak division and just kind of trample over everybody and waltz into the playoffs and then go up against a really battle-hardened, tough team and waltz in and just get absolutely stomped. Maybe a little battle testing isn't the worst thing in the world. A little adversity, you know? I know there's adversity. Everybody faces it. But I don't know. Maybe a little more. Ramp it up a little bit. Make it harder. And you know what? If, If I am the schedule maker... If I am the NFL, for example, maybe, maybe that is what I want to do to the Packers. I want to make this as hard as I possibly can to the Packers. Because if you're not good enough, I don't want you in the playoffs anymore. <laughs> now, I don't, th- I don't think we're going to be able to keep you out. I think you are too good of a team for that. But let's just make this as hard as we possibly can for you and just see if we can keep you out. And if you can fight your way in, then maybe you'll be a little better in the playoffs. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what else to do with this team. I can't keep them out of the playoffs, and I can't for the life of me make them win in the playoffs. I don't know what to do here. And as a Packer fan, I get it. You know what? Good. Do it. I'm with you. I don't want to see a a season without the playoffs, but let's just do that. Let's make it as hard as freaking possible. And if you don't get in, then you don't get in. It was never meant to be anyways. But if you get in, you know, I don't know. Please, (laughs) do something. Um, Another thing somebody pointed out about the schedule release, um, one of the things that I've noticed over the years is there seems to be kind of a theme, and usually it's a very negative theme remember one year we went up against like all the best pass rushers. Another year we went up against all the best wide receivers. I'm not positive. I'm sure if I dig into it, there's, there's a really good thread of something. Um, running backs, maybe, I don't know. No, that doesn't make sense. Anyways, one of the things I know for sure is we're facing some pretty garbage quarterbacks. (laughs) So as difficult as the schedule is in some senses, uh, this is what, um, Theo Ash pointed out. I'm not sure who that is, but um, host of Stay Hot Pod, Blue Wire Pod's NFL TikTok thought leader. I don't know. I'll have to check who that guy is. He's got 33,000 followers. Somebody out there knows who he is. But he says the best defense in the league on paper gets to play Kirk Cousins twice, Justin Fields twice, Jared Goff twice, Mac Jones, Daniel Jones, Zach Wilson, Carson Wentz, Ryan Tannehill, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tungavailoa. Now granted, I think Kirk is pretty good. Mac Jones was decent last year. We'll see what he can do. And Ryan Tannehill isn't the worst either. But this is not exactly the most elite group of wide of, of quarterbacks in the world. Now, Tom Brady is in the mix. They did they did leave out a couple, but that is um that is thirteen games that they that this man listed. Thirteen of our games against these guys. And yes, if this is the best defense, which it seems to be on paper, at least indisputably, no matter how much you hate the Packers, I don't know how many Bears, Lions, Vikings, or otherwise fans are listening, if you look at this team on paper and tell me this isn't a top-five team, your bias is out of control. <laughs> My curiosity was killing me. I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. He's got a YouTube link. I'm like, he must be a big YouTuber. Because, he's again, he's got 33,000 followers, and he, he does have 6,055 subscribers on YouTube, which isn't that bad, I guess. But the last time he made a video, it was a year ago, and I just kind of clicked on one, and it is the most low-quality video I've ever seen in my life, Um, almost seemingly on purpose. Like, he has a piece of paper taped to his wall behind him. I think he's in, like, a college dorm. I don't know. But the video started off like this, and I just just lost it. Hello, 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 (laughs) hello. I don't know, man. I... You know how much time I spent trying to make my YouTube channel look professional back in the day? How many hours? I mean, I would take a week to do a video. One week to make one video. The amount of editing I would do to try to get all the graphics. And that doesn't even include the amount of time it would take me to make each graphic. Like, I would make a graphic for a player on a... on a, So there would be a video that took me a week to do, just to put the video together. But then each pick that I made had its own video. So the Green Bay Packers select... Jim Johnson of Iowa State College University. There would be a video that I made, and that video itself would probably be, take about a half hour. So add a half hour to each of the 32 picks. That's how long it would take me to do a video. And granted, I could reuse those, but still. And then you got Theo Ash, who hasn't made a video in a year, shoots the lowest quality webcam I've ever seen in my life in his dorm with a piece of paper tap tape behind him. It looks like it says 16-game sample size written like a third grader on a little piece of paper that you can't see, taped behind him, and it's crooked, and dude is crushing it. He hasn't even made a video in a year. <laughs> I don't know. His TikTok's probably great. I don't know. He doesn't even have a link to his TikTok on here, so I, I can't look at it. But anyways, thanks for that note. I don't know. I don't even know if the guy's a pack. He might not be a Packer fan. I don't know. I don't know. I'm intrigued by Theo Ash. I don't know who he is. I Googled him, and dude has a cameo. And 31, reviewed, 31 people paid him to say, hey, what's up on cameo? What is this world I'm living in? I'm going to get a cameo. Hey, Jimmy, happy birthday. Thanks for the 40 bucks. Sorry, I'll look into this on my own time. I just, I'm intrigued. Uh, A couple other minor things. Rico Gafford, guy I've literally never heard of until I saw this on Twitter yesterday. Apparently the Packers moved him from wide receiver to corner. And as an undrafted free agent that, you know, reminds some people of Sam Shields, I guess, and they actually gave him his number. So I don't know. Something to keep an eye on, I guess. And also Drew Brees might uh, contemplate coming back to football or is contemplating or something. I don't know. It's stupid. The dude, there's no way he's coming back. There's just, there's, it can't be. I mean, it can be. I mean, the guy can do whatever he wants. And I'm sure a team would take him back. It's just a stupid idea. And it's so stupid that I have to assume that there's a part of him that realizes how stupid it is and it doesn't happen. Possibly even teams are like, nah, dude, sorry. No offense to Drew, but that dude fell off a cliff real hard. And again, I think when you retire, especially at that age, I don't know how easy it is to just get back in game shape. Mentally, physically, the whole nine yards, I just don't see it. So um, again, I fully understand the whole like, I'm going to retire, it's going to be great. And then you retire and you're like, dude, I can't believe I'm not playing football this year. That sucks. Like, I'm never going to hear the roar of the crowd again. Like, not, you know, I, I, I need more of that. I get it. But physically, you're not up to it. Find a way to embrace retirement. You got to stop. Am I talking through him to Tom Brady right now? Yes, I am. I'm trying to reach Tom Brady with the sound of my voice. But in the meantime, Drew, just just stop it. Because this is ridiculous. Now, with that said, would I be fine with you coming back and playing for a rival team and playing like garbage? I guess. But for your own sake, just don't. All right, just just go. Don't embarrass yourself. Don't tarnish your legacy. You left on a relatively high note. Don't do that. Anyways, I was going to go in a different direction, but I'm kind of stuck on this. My mind can't get off of it. Talking about the whole Packers on paper being, you know, great defense or whatever. Again, it, it's just on paper. And I, if we go back to whatever it was, 2019 or whatever, I feel like we had one of the better on paper defenses and we didn't really put anything together. So having a pile of players doesn't really do anything. Joe Barry's got to be able to make them succeed, but I still, I just want to look at it because and again, I, I keep doing this for perspective because I feel like we, for me anyways, I, I look at it and go, yeah, we got a good pile of players, but, you know, the number three defensive tackle, but Savage maybe isn't the great, blah, 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 blah. I want to look at the best defenses from last year and analyze their defenses and their rosters. Because as I've said a thousand times, it doesn't take perfection. The number one defense in terms of points allowed was the Buffalo Bills. The Packers were 13th barely mediocre what is it the Buffalo Bills have that's so amazing I mean they went out and got Von Miller they added Von Miller that that's great they didn't have him last year but beyond that what do they have along the defensive line what do they have at linebacker what do they have at corner again we, we can get stuck on well Tredavious White is one of the greatest corners in football because we refuse to to allow our opinion to be changed because he was good like three years ago and if you ask Buff- Buffalo Bills fans, they have the greatest linebackers in the history of the universe, right? They, they, they think Matt Milano is like this elite coverage linebacker. The guy's just, he, he's unstoppable. And uh, Tremaine Edmonds is this elite run defending, blah, 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 whatever. Um, it, it's just not a reality. It's not. He had a 68 run defense grade. He ranks 17th, by the way, one of the worst coverage linebackers in football. Well, that's Matt Milano's job. Okay, his coverage grade was a 59. He ranks 33rd. Matt Milano, that is. 67 overall grade, 19th ranked corner, uh, linebacker. What do the Packers have at linebacker? I, I've said our linebacker may take a step back Devondre Campbell, which may not happen. By the way, we added another linebacker. But do we have better linebackers than the Buffalo Bills? Yes, we do. Defensive line, again, they've got Von Miller. Von Miller is very good. He's still very good. He's always been very good. Uh, even last year at the age of 32 years old, or 33 maybe, I don't know exactly, uh, 91.2 overall grade. Still at that age, elite. Now, it's weird. He goes to a 4-3 team as a 3-4 outside linebacker. I don't know how that's going to work or why that would be a thing, but whatever. But on the other side, they've got Gregory Rousseau. Now, Gregory Rousseau is going into year two. We'll see what he can do. But he ranked 28th last year, which isn't terrible. But he's not exactly an elite player. Ed Oliver had his first good year ever last year in year three. Still ranked 23rd. Uh, 74 pass rush grade, which is good, not great, Right. So if Rashawn and Vaughn are similar, and they are, and Rousseau and um Preston are similar, and they are. And uh, you know, we got Kenny and we added somebody else in the draft. I mean, the the I would say at worst our defensive line is is as good. And then again, Tredavious White was the 44th ranked corner. They added a rookie in Kair Alam to come in. So I mean, does that compete with Jair and Stokes and Razul? I don't think so. And we've already established we have better linebackers. The only thing that they have that I think is better than us is safety. And that's if we assume and understand that Adrian Amos is up there with one of the, some of the top safeties out there. In which case, we have one really good safety and one question mark, and they have two good safeties. But you see what I'm saying as far as, like, uh, on paper, they have everything they need to be a number one defense, everything in the world that they need. Second best defense last year was the new England patriots. this This defense is trash. And yes, there's some changes, whatever. but it, i mean it's 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 reason for optimism but also pessimism because really good defenses don't always need the best players they They just put their guys in the best situation and they play really good football and they do their job and their assignment sure, and all that stuff and and they succeed. But I mean, their corners are so bad and 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 again, it's a different team this year than last year. I'm just looking at this year, but the question of can we be better than the second-ranked defense this year, I don't know how it's possible we couldn't. Their corners are horrific. Their defensive line is horrific. Judon, guy that's been a Patriot staple forever, 66th. Sixty-sixth. Christian Barmore was the 44th-ranked defensive tackle. Godshaw, whatever, 42nd. The, the, the defensive line, if you just look at grades, 60, 62, 63, and 63. Their corners, 67, 50, and 52. It's it's just bad. They got Mac Wilson, who um, in his first two years had a 41 and a 41 overall grade. This last year was a 75, but he didn't play enough to even get ranked. Jawan Bentley had a 65 overall grade. And so really it's a team with two decent safeties. Kyle Duggar, who was a second-round pick a couple years ago, and then uh, Devin McCordy, who's going to be 35 years old this year. That was the second-ranked defense. Uh, th- this is 100,000% on Joe Barry. And, and that's the thing. It's, it's weird because I don't want to say, well, we could be the number one. Well, I don't know. We've got a couple holes here and there. So what? If we didn't add any of these draft pieces, we still should have every right, every reason to be the number one defense. Denver was third. Again, different team this year than last year, but let's compare us to them. Chubb had a 45 overall grade last year. They added Randy Gregory. Dude's basically never been very good. I mean, you know, when he actually plays. But um, yeah, his highest ranked year ever was this past year in 2021. He was ranked 46th. Patrick Sertan, a lot of excitement about him. He ranked 39th. Darby, their other corner, ranked 69th. I mean, they, they just, they don't have really good players pretty much anywhere. Josie Jewell seems to be a decent linebacker. Um, You've got DJ Jones, who had a decent year, and then you got the Safety Simmons, who's pretty good. Otherwise, not much. That's like Adrian Amos and uh, Devondre Campbell and Kenny Clark, and that's it. And that was a third-ranked defense. Again, it's different, but this is what they're working with this year. Can we be better than them? Why wouldn't we be? I mean, I've, n- I've never seen a team go to such lengths to make sure that there are zero holes on, on one side of the field. The the Packers have gone to unbelievable lengths to say, we want zero holes. We've already got Kenny Clark and we added a second defensive tackle. And, and Packer fans have the audacity to say, yeah, but what about number three? Dude, shut up. They're, half the league doesn't have a number one. <laughs> they don't have one guy on the defensive line that's Kenny Clark. Well, we're lacking depth off the edge. Good Lord. Good Lord. The... the... Number three ranked defense, I'm looking at their team right now, I don't know if they have one really good pass rusher. Chubb is their one guy, he ranked 30th last year, 30th, that's their top guy. Again, there's just this weird perception that, well, the reason we're bad is because we don't have enough good players. Wrong. Well, we only have one good linebacker and two good safety. we need that third safety or a second linebacker, now maybe we can do it. What are you talking about? Again, there's a serious lack of perspective on what everybody else has, so many Packer fans are so hyper-focused on the Packers, and we think we can analyze what's wrong by looking at the Packers, right? Well, we fail because we only have four good offensive linemen, and that one guy's a failure. Dude, are you kidding me? Have you ever seen the Minnesota Vikings, who find ways to win a lot of football games and even get into the playoffs with horrific offensive lines? How about the Seattle Seahawks, who went to the playoffs every single year and actually won a Super Bowl with garbage offensive line play? I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm not saying offensive line doesn't matter, but to make such ridiculous excuses is silly to me. Same with the wide receiver thing. This idea that we have these terrible wide receivers and we had Devontae and Lazard and MVS and again, not the greatest in the world, but compared to the rest of the league, it's not that bad. Well, Dallas has three and Tampa had three and okay, so what? In the history of the NFL, how many teams have had three really good wide receivers? And how is that going for Dallas anyways? Or, or the Arizona Cardinals, for that matter, who have like four and five wide receivers that they pay massive amounts of money for, including one of the top wide receivers in football. That team sucks. I don't know if you noticed. If you look at the Saints, Saints have a very good defense in terms of a lot of really good players, but they still have holes. Davenport and Jordan off the edge, one of the better duos in football. And then they got Anya Mata as a defensive tackle and Tuttle's not even that bad. I mean, that's a solid group. Um, the linebackers, they got two really good linebackers, but you know what? They, it's a 4-3 team and their third linebacker is trash. Marshawn Lattimore, great corner. Paulson Adebo, their number two corner, garbage. They added Tyron Matthew this year, who is the, one of the most overrated players in the history of the universe. It just it cracks me up how much hype this guy gets. Um, the only time he was ranked really, really high was in 2015. He was the number one safety. Um, since then, his highest rank was like 16th in 2019. He's been in the 60s the last two years. But every single year, this guy struggles to find a team, and everyone acts like this is the greatest safety in the world. How can he not find a job? This is unbelievable whatever. He's fine. It's not like he's terrible, but it's just, it's hilarious to me how much hype this guy gets for uh, reasons I'll never understand. But they got Tyron Matthew who ranks 38th and then they've got uh, what Marcus May, who was 79th this past year. So similar to the Packers, they got one guy that's pretty decent and Marcus May has had good years in the past. So, you know, maybe they'll have good safeties. They've got two out of three good linebackers. They've got a good defensive line and they have one good corner and not much else. They're going to have a good defense again. They have holes. They have holes at safety, linebacker, corner. And considering how high rotation the defensive line is, there's going to be some guys out there that are not great on occasion. But you know what? They're still going to do a really good job. Because it's not about having every single hole filled. It's not about three elite corners, seven elite defensive linemen, three elite linebackers, and two elite safeties, and then you can have a top five defense. Literally nobody has that, ever. Packers have Rashawn Gary... And Preston Smith, who ranked 5th and 12th last year. Again, one of the best pass rush duos in football. They have Kenny Clark, even Dean Lowry, who Packer fans think is the most garbage player in the world. He ranked 30-30 at a 66 overall grade. Compared to a lot of the teams we've looked at, he's one of the better defensive tackles we've talked about so far today. That doesn't even include the first-round pick we went out and added. Devondre Campbell, second-highest-graded linebacker in football, and we added a guy to put next to him. Adrian Amos, 75 overall grade. So we got three good to competent corners, right, at the very least. We have every reason to believe the defensive line is going to be elite. We've got every reason to believe the linebackers are going to be elite. And worst case scenario, we have one really good safety and one subpar safety. That's the worst case scenario. So, yeah, I would agree. On paper, this is one of the best, if not the best, defenses in football. And there really is no excuse. I mean, I, I don't want to set the bar too high. And, you know, if, if they rank fifth, I don't, you know, I'm not going to throw a temper tantrum about it. But this is make or break for Joe Barry, because Brian Gutekunst, who gets the blame for every single thing, and I don't know why, Brian Gutekunst has done everything humanly possible to stack this team with talent over and over and over and over and over and over and over. We need a defense he has built for for the last, I don't know how many years we've had one of the better on-paper defenses, and it just never gets put together. He has maintained great players along the offensive line we added another great running back and now for the first time he's really starting to take swings at wide receiver to get this offense ramped up a little bit we'll see how that goes but this isn't a Brian Gutekunst thing this is a Joe Barry thing you're a smart dude you've been around you know how this stuff works it's year 2 these guys know what they're doing i'm telling you this needs to be a top 5 defense period and you know one of the last memories we have of this team is how great they did in the playoffs I can hear people out there saying, well, they were really good last year, so I don't know what you're talking about. Because, again, we remember what happened last, right? 13 points allowed. Do you remember the game before that? We lost to the Detroit Lions 37-30. to 30. Do you recall? 37 points given up? How about 30 points to Baltimore or 30 points to the Chicago Bears? 34 points to the Vikings. I mean, that, that, those, those were at the end of the season. This is starting in November 21st. We've got 34, 30, 30, and 37, and two really bad football teams. We gave up those points. So yeah, there were there were moments of brilliance, and we saw the flashes, but we don't need flashes anymore. The fact that we gave up 17 points, 17 points, uh, 22 to the Bengals, 14 to the Bears, 10 to Washington, 13 to the Chiefs, zero to Seattle, um... Ten to the Vikings and 13 to the 49ers and still ended up with a 13th overall defense because when we weren't elite, we were imploding all over the place, like 38 points to the Saints in week one. That's that's just not gonna cut it. That's not good enough. We cannot have implosion days. Well, that was one really bad day from Darnell Savage, but you know, that won't happen again. Okay, but that's followed by one really bad day from the pass rushers and one really bad day from the defensive line and one really bad day from the corner. No more. Just go be a good defense. I don't I don't know what else to say. We've seen the offense do it, and that doesn't mean never having bad days, but we've seen the offense just have great years. You know, like 2020 when they were the number one offense in football. Defense, 13th. I mean, come on, man. Again, I know that wasn't the issue last year overall, but it, it, it's, it's not even really the point. This isn't even about how we win the Super Bowl. That's not the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is it's, it's such an unbelievable waste of talent if we're not a top five defense. To have this much talent, to have Brian Gudekunst do this much in terms of free agency in the draft, to stack it with this much talent, there's just no excuse. So anyways, again, not what I was planning on talking about, but I I just, I'm pretty angry about it because I don't think it's going to (laughs) happen. If I'm just being completely honest, I don't think we're going to have a top three defense. I think we have a top three, top two, top one defense on paper right now. And we'll, you know, probably end up ninth or something. I don't know. But anyways, again, this is all on Joe Barry, and hopefully you can put it together. But I got to get out of here. I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Monday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.